them from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Mark Levin. That was President Reagan in 1984. It's an honor to be back, and I want to thank all the great guest hosts uh, for filling in. I hope you had a wonderful holiday. We'll have a wonderful new year. Man, there's so much going on. I reached a point today where I just had to stop. I just had to stop, and then I stop, and then you have this Bannon-Trump thing, which we'll talk about. But I want to go back to Reagan. Let us play this again. Reagan, August 11, 1984. Go. My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. We begin bombing in five minutes. Was Reagan demented? Was he unfit to be president of the United States? Was he out of control? Was he deranged? No, one of our greatest presidents in American history was also one of our greatest foreign policy presidents in American history. And in fact, without dropping any bomb, he destroyed the Soviet Union. Now, what does this have to do with anything? You know, it's still continuing today, where President Trump tweeted out to the inbred in North Korea, who said, you know, I've got this nuclear button on my desk. The president said, I've got one too, and it's much bigger and more powerful than yours. And of course, the left in this country so hates Trump, as they would hate any conservative in the presidency, as, quite frankly, they seem to hate America. They seem to side with North Korea and Iran a lot more often these days. And I'm going to get to Iran, too. That these were the kinds of responses Trump was getting. John Heilman, who's a nobody, another slob on the morning schmo show, and he lines up all these slobs because he knows the North Korean generals find the morning schmo show to be their favorite show. And so he gives aid and comfort to the North Korean government by bringing in slobs like John Heilman. Heilman. Hi, Heilman. Cut seven, go. There's a, there's just, there's just, because there's just a holy, there's still connection to normalcy here. For all of our lifetimes, any president of any party who treated threats of nuclear war in any way, in a cavalier way, we've not seen that really from Republicans or Democrats. Let me educate you, you moron. We've had mutually uh, capabilities, mutual capabilities to destroy other countries. It's called Mutual Assured Destruction Mad. All the president was doing is making it quite clear to North Korea, don't mess with us. We could obviously blow you off the face of the earth a thousand times. That threat is always there. The fact that Trump articulated it in his tweet is not something you get worried about or scared about or means he's going to start war. If Donald Trump wanted to start a war, he would have started a war already. He's had ample opportunities with Iran with North Korea, among others, and he hasn't. He's been totally, fully responsible. Unlike the clown who preceded him, Barack Milhouse Obama, who gives $150 billion on top of $1.7 billion in ransom to the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, 
which as I speak is killing and torturing and maiming and imprisoning its own people. More on that later. Got plenty of time. Then we have Brian Stelter over on CNN, who is becoming a laugh machine, his own laugh machine. Not just because of his looks. His looks are bad enough. But because of what he has to say all the time. Cut eight. Go. Considering how the new year has started, um, I mean, what does this say about the year? Madness. And I think we should start to call it that, shouldn't we? You know, when President Trump was inaugurated last January, some writers, some columnists like Andrew Sullivan started right away to raise concerns about the president's mental health. about his. Oh, so it's his mental health. Now, this little clown, Stelter, who went to the great Towson State University, then he created a blog. So great was his blogs that the New York Slimes hired him. So great was his article, his uh, column at the New York Slimes, that CNN hired him. And you can see why. He's a putz. He's a predictable, empty, moronic putz. May I say with all due respect. Go ahead. Office. In the months that followed, we saw Republican senators like Jeff Flake bring these issues up. Oh, they cite Jeff Flake. Well, everybody cites Jeff Flake. If you're a liberal hack journalist, phony, you cite Jeff Flake. What next, Bob Corker? Go ahead. Ask about his fitness for office. Bob Corker, another oh. name that comes to mind. Yeah. I think we could apply a test to his 16 tweets today. The test would be, if this were the leader of... Uh, shut up, moron. You think you're so profound. You're not profound. You're imbecilic. Hence, you work at CNN. Then there's Tim Kaine. Tim Kaine, the, the junior senator from Virginia who lost the vice presidency. Cut nine. Let's listen to how profound this idiot is. Cut nine. Go. One, the president has had a steady pattern of undermining diplomacy. And if you do that, you raise the risk of unnecessary war. You make America less safe. So he whether... has a steady pattern of undermining diplomacy. He's facing this Hitlerian in North Korea. He's facing a Hitlerian regime in Iran. He's got... The best UN ambassador since Bolton at the United Nations. He has handled diplomacy actually beautifully. Beautifully. But he's not an appeaser like Obama. And the Democrat Party is in full appeasement mode. They do not think America should be the only superpower. In fact, they don't believe America should be a superpower at all. You know what they're proposing now in the budget scheme? They insist that if you increase $1 in monetary spending, you must increase $1 in domestic spending. That's what they're doing now. That's the old Obama trick. They're insisting on it now, or we're going to shut down the government. Shut it the hell down. Shut it down. And make sure members of Congress do not get paid that they do not get medical care, and not one plug penny is added to their pensions. Shut it down. Because this country doesn't exist to redistribute wealth. This country doesn't exist for a welfare state. And our military is essential. Particularly, there was a report out last week that China, that China will pass the United States as a military power in 20 years. Does that concern anybody? No, apparently not. The Democrats have their agenda, and that's it. The problem you see is Trump. Trump is deranged. Trump is a nut. Trump is this. How do we know? Brian Stelter of Towson State tells us that's how. But back to Tim Kaine. Go. 
juvenile tweets, whether it's not uh, even nominated. Juvenile tweets? Juvenile tweets? Timmy, Timmy King. Juvenile tweets? I mean, he's not molesting the interns. You want to talk about juvenile and sick and predatory, that would be Bill Clinton. Juvenile tweets? I happen to think this was a great tweet. That's awful tweet. Am I alone? Letting the uh, inbred in North Korea, Kim Jong fat boy, letting him know, uh, don't threaten us with your button. We have a button too. And it's a bigger button than yours. Everybody with a, uh, with an IQ over four knew exactly what the president was saying. Back to Tim Kaine with an IQ of three. Go. Korea, whether it's undercutting. Shut up. Now there's a guy, Steve Cohen from Tennessee. Steve Cohen from Tennessee, he's truly bizarro. And he's on MSLSD the other day, which has a conga line of freaks. Conga line of freaks, starting with this this morning schmo clown. Go ahead. Donald Trump is the most despicable human being to ever reside at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Congressman, let me ask you this. I'm just going to say a narcissistic sociopath doesn't change, and it endangers the country, uh, and, and, and war, like wag the dog, is something he where, can get where in. Did this, uh, where did this mush brain come from? How does a clown like this get elected to the House of Representatives? He's the most despicable human being to ever reside at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? Would anybody ever say that about Barack Obama? Wouldn't they be shouted down in two seconds? Wouldn't they be shouted down? Now, I hate to be the, uh, the one that uh, brings this up to Steve Cohen of Tennessee. The truth is, when you consider what John Kennedy did in the Oval Office with an East German spy, with a mobster girlfriend, with a 19-year-old intern, and on and on and on, With the orgies. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The orgies that took place at the White House swimming pool. I don't know. That's pretty despicable, isn't it? Oh, how dare you mention that? Well, I just did. I just did. What has Donald Trump done in the White House that's so despicable? Can somebody please... What is so despicable about what Donald Trump has done in the White House? He likes his steak well done with ketchup? Well, who the hell does it? So do I. So what's so despicable? What's so despicable? Nothing. Steve Cohen, another clown, another no-name backbencher. Now I want to play for you one more time, as a reminder, what Ronald Reagan said in 1984. One of our greatest presidents, I would count him as number three. And when it comes to foreign policy, he did what nobody thought was possible. He defeated the Soviet Union. He did not buy into Henry Kissinger and detente. He built up the strongest military on the face of the earth. And he didn't apologize for it. He had real tax cuts across the board. And his emphasis was on individual tax rate cuts across the board. Not a single tax increase for a single taxpayer. And he built up the United States military. And they hated his guts too. What did he say in 1984 that... If MSLSD were around and all these backbenchers and nobodies and knuckleheads were around, what would they be saying about Reagan? Keep history in mind. History is our guide. Go. My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. 
Oh, my God. Oh, demented. Oh, my. What's it? Oh, and then the Star Wars. Oh, his imagination. Oh, this guy's going to cause World War Three. Oh, look what it, uh, Star Wars and what he says about Russia. Oh, and look, now he's got stuff going on in Afghanistan. Oh, in our hemisphere, look what he's done. Grenada, oh, this guy, and then he's just horrific. And the freedom fighters, I remember. These same leftists would be attacking him too. There was absolutely nothing wrong with the president's tweet. It's in keeping with... Republican presidents, successful Republican presidents of the past. And it sent a signal to the inbred Kim Unfat Boy that he needed to hear. Don't threaten us with your button, slob. We got a button too. And we don't even have to test our missiles anymore. We just know they're very, very precise. We can shoot one right up your ass. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Bigly. While I was off the air, those of you who follow me on Facebook and Twitter, you can see that this issue in particular had my attention. And early on, the big lib media, the progressive, almost fascist media in this country, given its ideological uh, advances, its ideological perspective, ignored it or downplayed it. Like the New York slimes that hid the Holocaust in the back pages when it bothered to write about it. Holocaust denying New York slimes. Paper record, wouldn't you know? Early on, the American media did all they could to ignore it, to downplay it. And uh, I was using my social accounts, which have multi-millions of followers, to keep pressing the case, as were a handful of others, but not many. Early on. One gentleman who was absolutely outstanding is a fellow by the name of Omri Saren. And we will bring him on the program next hour, and he was at the forefront. He always is. But uh, we have a rebellion in Iran. We have a president who's been tweeting about that rebellion and supporting the rebellion supporting the citizens of Iran against the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, which murders its citizens, which starves its citizens, which steals from its citizens, which tortures its citizens, which rapes its citizens, which throws its gay citizens off the top of buildings, which imprisons its Christian citizens, which has killed American soldiers. I said it's killed American soldiers. And the prior president of the United States, no, he's not demented, he's not deranged, he's just great. He's swell, that Obama. He funded this, this terrorist regime. He subsidized this terrorist regime. He turned the other cheek when it came to Hezbollah, a long piece in Politico, which was all but ignored with the rest of it. And there was an earlier piece in Politico, thanks to this Josh Meyer, this reporter who's obviously gone underground, he's under such attack from the left now. How the Obama administration specifically told entities within the Justice Department and other federal law enforcement to stop chasing down 
Iranians or their surrogates who are trying to get nuclear technology. The great Obama, like the great Oz. No, he's not demented. He's brilliant. He is forward-looking. He's the future. So now Trump has to deal with what, with what Obama did. And we're going to talk about some of this in the next hour. We're going to talk about, I just can't wait. You can see I'm like a uh, racehorse with the uh, bit. I'm chomping on my bit here. How the Obamanoids, rhymes with hemorrhoids, how the Obamanoids all over the place saying, see, see, first they were saying, hey, this doesn't mean there's a widespread revolution. This doesn't mean America should get involved. It's not in America's interest. No, ladies and gentlemen, it's not in America's interest that they're building ICBMs. They want to put nuclear warheads on them, that they're threatening to destroy America, that they've killed American soldiers. No, it's not in America's interest. Why do we care about what goes on in Iran? And then they argue the other side of the coin. But if the people do win, it's thanks to us and the Iran deal. And we'll get into that more. I'll be right back. Logic than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now at 877-381-3811. Why are all these uh, officials talking, talking to a liberal book writer? Michael Wolf. I don't get it. Why is Steve Bannon spilling his guts if these are his actual words and actual thoughts? To this guy, Michael Wolf, who's a well-known leftist, who's writing a book about Trump for the purpose of hurting Trump. Why would you talk to a guy like this? Why would you sit down as a former confidant of the President of the United States, for whom you're supposed to have loyalty, and bleed a gut, and cough up a lung? And say things to him. I don't know if this author was recording. You know, people say, well, I don't know if they actually said these things. If this guy knows what he's doing, he was recording the conversation, but perhaps not. I don't know. Time will tell. And why do you have to say these 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 vile things about a guy's kids? There's not a man in this country who wouldn't defend his children. Who wouldn't defend his family against attacks by another man? There's not another man in this country who would. And Donald Trump's not going to. He's not going to put up with it. Now, the Guardian newspaper, which is a left-wing British newspaper, apparently got a copy of the book. Fire and Fury by Michael Wolff, which will now be a New York Times bestseller thanks to the people leaking around Donald Trump, including Bannon. So this guy is going to make a lot of money off a book, a hit job on the president. Why do people participate in stuff like this? 
The Guardian. Let's see here. The, uh, Donald Trump's former chief strategist, Steve Bannon, has described the Trump Tower meeting between the president's son and a group of Russians during the 2016 election campaign as treasonous and unpatriotic, according to an explosive new book by The Guardian. Now, I've looked at this meeting. We've talked about it. Others have talked about it. Seems like forever. There's nothing treasonous or unpatriotic about that meeting. Based on what we know right now, unless Bannon knows something else, what's treasonous and unpatriotic? This is according to The Guardian now. I'm just basing it on these reports. Bannon, speaking to author Michael Wolf, warned that the investigation into alleged collusion with the Kremlin will focus on money laundering and predicted they're going to crack Don Jr. like an egg on national TV. Why? Is he involved in money laundering? I mean, this is a pretty scandalous allegation. Uh, let's see here. There's so much. Bannon, who was chief executive of the Trump campaign in its final three months, then White House chief strategist for seven months before returning to the right-wing Breitbart News, writes The Guardian, is a central figure in the nasty cutthroat drama quoted extensively, often in salty language. He's particularly scathing about a June 2016 meeting involving Trump's son, Donald Jr., son-in-law Jerry Kushner, then-campaign chairman Paul Manafort, and Russian lawyer Natalia, whatever her name is, at Trump Tower in New York. Here's what I don't understand. If you have so much contempt for the president's family and so much contempt for some of the senior advisors and so much contempt for this one or that one, why did you support Donald Trump all this time? Why did you switch from Ted Cruz to Donald Trump? I think it's a fair question. But I don't know what's unpatriotic and treasonous. Treasonous. About the meeting, per se. Even if you thought, I'm quoting, even if you thought that this was not treasonous or unpatriotic or bad S, word for crap, and I happen to think it's all of that, you should have called the FBI immediately, Bannon went on. It should have been set up in a Holiday Inn in Manchester, New Hampshire, with your lawyers who meet with these people. Any information he said could then be dumped down to Breitbart or something like that, or maybe some other more legitimate publication. I don't understand what this means. Are you talking about covering your tracks with a leak? Is that what that means? I guess so. He says you never see it, you never know it, because you don't need to. But that's the brain trust that they had. You know... This country is facing such challenges with the progressive movement in the Democrat Party, in the courts, in the bureaucracy, in the media, in the culture like Hollywood. This country is facing such great threats from North Korea and Iran and, quite frankly, China and Russia. Why, why do this? Why participate in this? It really escapes me. Why would you participate in this? And not just Bannon, any of the others who did it. He's a lightning rod. And he's a lightning rod because he wants to be a lightning rod. Now the president was very angry about this today, as you can imagine, as any father would be. 
when his son, when his son-in-law, even his daughter, among others, are being personally attacked. The president put out this statement. Steve Bannon has nothing to do with me or my presidency. When he was fired, he not only lost his job, he lost his mind. You can see Trump is furious. Steve was a staffer who worked for me after I'd already won the nomination by defeating 17 candidates, often described as the most talented field ever assembled in the Republican Party. Now that he's on his own, the president said, Steve is learning that winning isn't as easy as I make it look. Steve had very little to do with our historic victory, which was delivered by the forgotten men and women of this country. Almost seems like it was written by Stephen Miller. Yet Steve had everything to do with the loss of a Senate seat in Alabama held for more than 30 years by Republicans. Steve doesn't represent my base. He's only in it for himself. So the president, you can see, has had enough. He's furious. He said Steve pretends to be at war with the media, which he calls the opposition party, yet he spent his time at the White House leaking false information to the media to make himself seem far more important than he was. It's the only thing he does well. Steve was rarely in a one-on-one meeting with me and only pretends to have had influence to fool a few people with no access and no clue whom he helped write phony books. We have many great Republican members of Congress and candidates who are very supportive of the, America, of, uh, the Make America Great agenda. Let me, like me, they love the United States of America and are helping to finally take our country back and build it up rather than simply seeking to burn it all down. Now, Mr. Producer has been looking for a statement from Bannon, and so far nothing, right, Rich? We don't see one at this point. Uh, people will draw their own conclusions. What, what is troubling to me, having worked with a president of the United States, having seen some leakers who go out to advance their agenda or promote themselves, and these were leakers during the Reagan administration, although there weren't as many, I have to say. I had nothing but contempt for them. I had nothing but contempt for leaks against a sitting president of the United States. But I, I don't even understand the rationality behind sitting apparently repeatedly with a well-known liberal author who has as his purpose to damage the president and his presidency. And it's not like he's coming up with something new. The damaging information is coming from the people he's talking to. And it's not even information. It's their opinions. Why play into that? You've listened to this program long enough. You know that I have been very pleasantly surprised by this president. Doesn't mean I'm a sycophant. Doesn't mean I'm a pom-pom boy. Doesn't mean I'm a rocket. We know who they are. No. You can be discerning and a conservative very pleased with what he's done. And as I've said before, and this was repeated after I left uh, for vacation, Donald Trump so far is the most conservative president since Reagan. Once he starts pushing his trillion-dollar infrastructure plan, which is a payoff to mayors and city councils and governors and legislatures that helps them uh, bail out their budgets, which are... uh, which are totally out of control and using our federal tax dollars to subsidize their works. I will have a strong disagreement with that. 
as I had a strong disagreement with major aspects of this so-called tax reform plan. But so what? He's not a left-wing kook who has as his purpose the fundamental transformation of America. Look what this president has done on regulations. Look what this president's trying to do on immigration. Look what this president's doing with the federal judiciary. Look what he's trying to do with the Supreme Court. Look at who he's done in foreign policy. He's had the greatest foreign policy since Reagan. Absolutely. Absolutely. The way he's confronting North Korea in a very responsible way, dealing with Iran and that outrageous deal, did something that no prior president in the last 70 years has had the stomach to do, which has recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. He's trying to build up the United States military. He's come to the defense of local law enforcement. I mean, it's quite significant. So it troubles me a lot when you have staffers or former staffers, whatever their senior status or lower status, whatever their status is, who take it upon themselves to try and drive the agenda or try and drive the narrative. This president is more successful than I thought he would be, despite the fact that McConnell is the majority leader in the Senate, despite the fact they have a very small majority in the Senate, He's done everything he can possibly do constitutionally and legitimately as President of the United States on his own. He's under brutal, daily, daily, hourly attack by the progressive Praetorian Guard media that slobbered all over Obama's every syllable. He's under brutal attack by the Democrat Party. And if we do not hold the House of Representatives, we will spend the next year or two fighting off this president's impeachment. And they do this in order to prevent him from advancing what? Because they're upset with his tweets? No, his agenda. It does not help the country, liberty, the Constitution, the American people. To be doing interviews with individuals who have nothing but contempt for this president. And to say things, if accurate, if accurate, that are really vicious about his family. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. This guy, Michael Wolf, selling more books. Um, he'll be selling plenty on his own, all scathing attacks on Trump by people who should know better, quite frankly. I mean, if you're going to challenge the president's position and you work for the president, well, do it and do it respectfully. You know, do it with some class, do it with some loyalty. You can challenge him perfectly. I'm, I'm all in favor of that. I believe in challenging ideas, confronting them, and so forth. Uh, but to sit down with a leftist and then, you know, start bleeding the gut, I, I just don't, uh, I'm not impressed. And now, of course, this will be fodder for CNN and MSNBC for a week, maybe two weeks. 
a week, maybe two weeks. And I would say also as a lawyer that if Bannon wasn't interviewed by Mr. Mueller, he will be now because he's making assertions in the book whether he can factually back them up or not. Uh, if I'm a complete and total out-of-control maniac prosecutor, I'm going to want to sit him down, maybe in front of a grand jury even. I don't know. I'm not encouraging it. I'm just saying it's certainly possible now, based on what I'm reading. I obviously haven't read the book, nor will I. Did you know that our $20 trillion national debt is estimated to be $40 trillion in the next 12 years? Did you know that when you count unfunded liabilities, we're talking about over $200 trillion? A debt train this large can only be headed towards disaster. I talk about this all the time. I've written about this. As we print more and more dollars, we lose more and more buying power. Investors know that it's not what you have, but what you keep. That's why they diversify. That's the key word. Diversify their portfolios to help keep their buying power strong when the dollar goes weak. PM Capital. PM Capital understands wealth preservation. That is, helping you keep your buying power is their goal. Many investors are diversifying their portfolios and IRAs right now with gold and silver. Don't be caught on the tracks of the debt train disaster. Diversify today. Learn more by claiming your free PM Capital Investor Guide and listen to this. For a limited time, you'll receive $500 in free gold or silver on qualifying purchases. That's a lot. All you have to do is call. Now listen to this. Just dial pound 250. Pound 250. And then say the key word, Mark Levin. Pound 250, keyword Mark Levin. PM Capital specialists are standing by right now to take your calls. Call pound 250, say Mark Levin, or visit marklevingold.com. That's Mark, L-E-V-I-N, marklevingold.com. Diversification is the key. Any reputable, responsible, objective, serious financial advisor will tell you the same thing. Diversify. That's the key. That's what I do. But people will make up their own minds. Okay, Pat, Colorado Springs, the great KVOR, go. Hey, Mark, I just wanted to talk about how the Washington Post uh, painted 2017 as Kim Jong-il's best year ever. They painted what? They painted 2017 as Kim Jong-il's best year ever. As Kim Jong-il's best year ever? The Washington Post did that? When did they do that? It's on their Snapchat. I'm a teacher, and so I check what the kids look on Snapchat. Yeah. So I don't even know if it made their full post, but this is what the teenagers <laughs> are reading, and they portrayed a picture of him waving to the crowd and smiling. Well, what can I tell you? Why, tell me, why were the media so slow to, um, to voice the uh, protests against the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran? Oh, Levin, they... This is their discontent with Trump so hard. And their love affair with Obama is so strong uh, that, you know, the fact of the matter is that this regime was on its knees 
quite frankly, uh, after many of the, uh, the policies put in place by George W. Bush to strangle it economically. And Obama rolls in there and pulls the sanctions and then funds them. I mean, the guy is, you talk about deranged. I would say Obama was deranged. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I've been reading uh, the frequent tweets by Omri Searman, who really is a smart guy. I never met him before. I've just uh, become familiar with him uh, through my stepson, David. Uh, and I started reading these tweets on Iran because I was tweeting on Iran, and a couple others were tweeting on Iran and posting Facebooks. Of course, the media held back. And, he, and uh, he just has tremendous insight on the subject of Iran, and I wanted to bring him on the program. Omri, how are you, sir? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Um, so this, this protesting started, what, six days ago? Six days ago. And um, the response by the President of the United States, you think it's been fairly effective? I don't know about effective. He's been uh, because... You know, the situation is so fluid that, uh, Mark, it's, it's difficult to know what's effective. But I do know that it's been thus far exactly the right reaction. He's been doing uh, of the things that he could be doing. He's doing exactly the right thing, which is he has made it very clear that the United States supports the protesters and he has made it clear and he has made sure that his staff conveys through their words and increasing their actions that the rhetoric and the position will be backed by actions. And so the important thing that he's done is not just said the right things, but specifically said the right things and indicated that he will back those with actions. It's exactly the right thing to do, whether it's effective, you know, the protesters face incredible odds. Who knows? Uh, if anything, could be effective, but uh, it's the right thing to do. And his ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, uh, she's demanding an emergency U.N. session, isn't she? That's right. They're investigating what they can do either through the U.N. Security Council or through the U.N. Human Rights Council. Of course, uh, you know, the U.N. is best described as not the world's most effective force for democracy. It's also be- it's all equally as well described as a cesspool of despots and dictators in many cases. Many of its organs are that. The uh, Especially the human rights parts of the United Nations have been hijacked by some of the worst actors on the planet. So there are limited options. There are limited options inside the Security Council because, of course, Iran supporters, uh, countries like Russia, will consistently veto anything that Ambassador Haley can do. And there are limited options outside of the Security Council where no one has a veto because simply there are majorities of terrible countries 
uh, across the UN and especially in those places where people do human rights work. What what is going on in Iran? You know, we 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 have we had some. Would you agree with me? Very timid reporting early on, and now they're starting to pick up a little bit. It's tough. You know, the Iranians they control uh, they control journalism to an enormous enormous extent, and they uh, ensure that journalists are censored. They blackmail journalists. And so it's very difficult to know what is actually happening in the country. Now, sometimes we think that there are cases of really open bias uh, and really journalistic malpractice. So, for instance, now sort of infamously, the U.N. has uh, – excuse me, the U.N., the New York Times bureau chief, Thomas Erdbrink, you know, his first couple of stories weren't datelined out of Tehran. He wasn't in Tehran when he wrote them. He, we think he, at least one of them, he said he was in Japan. And yet he wrote articles that really reflected what the regime was saying, which is that these are sporadic protests. And really what, uh, you know, advocates of the Iran deal were saying, which is that the protests were about economics and they were, and they were about economic woes. And so, you know, Mark, when you when you ask, why don't we know more about the um, why don't we know more about what's going on? Well, the answer is because it's really difficult to get good journalism out of there. And whether the whether the journalism reflects increasing protests, decreasing protests, whether it reflects economic motives or political motives, doesn't tell us very much about whether or not the protests are sporadic or increasing or political. Well, let me ask economic. you this. As, as you monitor this yourself, and some things have come through social media and so forth, people can see it on the Internet. Uh, my, my take on this is this is more widespread than it was in 2009. Am I wrong? Widespread, yes. De- deep, No. We're talking about something that's new, that hasn't been seen in the in Iran at least since the revolution, which is to say, these protests are happening in places where protests usually don't happen, uh, and I don't mean that in like you know a metaphorical or grandiose way. I mean that quite literally, physically, the protests are happening in parts of the country that they haven't happened before. And uh, so in that sense, yes, they are they are more they are broader than the previous protests, but they're not bigger than the previous protests. And they have certain features that are interesting and we don't know what they mean. So they appear to be leaderless, obviously, within any given city or any given town. If there's a bunch of people protesting, there's going to be a leader there. There's going to be an organizational structure there. But on the whole, it doesn't appear that all of them are being coordinated in the way that the 2009 protests were. And to that extent, we just don't know what that means. We don't know. So, for instance, you can see, Mark, how this would go both ways. One argument you could make is, well, the protests are diffuse. They appear unconnected. There's no leader stitching them together. Obviously, they will uh, go out with a whimper. They'll peter out. But you could also make the argument the other way. You could say this thing has no center. It uh, 
there doesn't seem to be an easy way to either placate it or defuse it. And so the regime will have a very difficult time putting it down. And it's just not clear which one of those is true. What is the take of the former Obama administration officials who are really vested in that deal that they cut with Iran? I mean, the worst. This, the, the, their behavior has been uh, really, even to some of the, even on the, uh, even among folks on the left who are, who are, you know, they don't agree with us on the way foreign policy works or the way that the world should go. But they're not invested in the deal. The behavior of the Obama alums has been embarrassing to those folks. Uh, you know, the the problem is, Mark, that the deal is both in many ways the cause of the enabler of the regime in beating down the protesters in as much as it gave the regime enormous amounts of resources. And it's also, and this is, gets at your question, it's also one of the things that blocks us from taking on the regime. So it's both the cause and stands in the way of the solution because the deal shredded a bunch of our of a bunch of our non-nuclear sanctions. You know, people don't remember this. People don't remember this. But for many years, the Obama administration, many months in a full year, the Obama administration went to Congress and Congress would say, hey, we're getting nervous about how much you're giving away to the Iranians. It looks like you're giving away more than they're giving to us. What's going on? And the administration would say, we're only going to give away nuclear sanctions, only nuclear sanctions, only nuclear sanctions. They're giving up their nuclear program. We're giving up. Oh, they're making nuclear concessions. We're giving up our nuclear sanctions. And then at the end, the Iranians said, that's not enough. It's not enough. We want many more. And the Obama administration and the Associated Press reported this in as many words. The Obama administration basically redefined a bunch of our human rights and ballistic missile and terrorism sanctions as nuclear sanctions so they could lift them. So they took a bunch of the a bunch of the measures that we have could have used uh, against a bunch of about against the regime. And they said, these are nuclear sanctions, so we'll lift them. Well, they were never nuclear sanctions. The reason that we were sanctioning the Central Bank of Iran wasn't nuclear. The reason that we had gone after wasn't entirely nuclear. The reason we had gone after the uh, business empire of the Iranian supreme leader, ECO, E-I-K-O is the abbreviation of his business empire, billions of dollars, wasn't necessarily because of... Whoa, 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 whoa. The supreme leader is worth billions of dollars? He has a business empire. It was founded actually by his predecessor. It's where they draw money from. It's a business empire. It's a full-blown business empire. And it used to be sanctioned. And the sanct and it's important that it be sanctioned because he draws upon that to fund some of his worst activities. But because he demanded it, John Kerry and the rest of the Obama administration redefined the fact that we had sanctioned that network. Now, before we run out of time, nuclear. The, 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 Kerry and others have said, really, this is an Iranian situation, not us. That's not correct, is it? I mean, it's an Iranian no, situation, okay. obviously, but it affects us, too. No, and you're right. Ben Rhodes has said it. It's such a gross thing to say. Listen, these guys, to sell their nuclear deal, they convulsed our capital for several months and, inf and inflicted basically what still counts as political trauma in Washington, D.C. They unwound our sanctions, all of our, the United States. They went after 
our allies. They empower a country that seizes our sailors. Of course it has to do with us. Of course it does. It's ridiculous that it doesn't have to do with us. If it didn't have to do with anything with the United States, why'd they spend the second half of the Obama administration obsessed with this thing? Of course it has to do with us. It's a ridiculous statement to make. But they don't want us. They don't want the Trump and they don't want the United. They don't want Congress. They don't want our elected representatives. And they certainly don't want the Trump administration to make them look bad by showing that we could have come down on Iran at any time and that the reason they didn't come down on Iran is because they wanted the nuclear deal. All right, folks, there he is, Amri Sarin. You are the managing director of the Israel Project. We appreciate it. Keep tweeting. I enjoy reading them. Thank you, sir. Talk soon. All right. Take care of yourself. Uh, there are other takes on this. There's an excellent piece at the PJ Media by my buddy uh, Michael Ledeen. Uh, he thinks this is a potential opportunity uh, for a real change in government over in Iran. It's a wonderful piece worth reading. Uh, and we'll keep an eye on this. We'll keep an eye on this. John Bolton uh, earlier today, or maybe it was yesterday, he had some outstanding comments on it as well. Uh, I think it's important that the Trump administration keep up the pressure. There are going to be some more decisions they're going to have to make on the Saran deal coming up in the next weeks, I believe. Uh, and they should turn the screws. I mean, you normally don't get one opportunity to fundamentally transform a government like this. This will potentially be a second opportunity to do it. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. It's a fellow by the name of Admiral Mike Mullen, and uh, he served as uh, CIA director, as I recollect, at the one point in a Democrat administration, or a prior administration. And uh, he was interviewed by Martha Raddatz at ABC News. She wasn't happy with what he had to say, but he said it anyway. Hat tip, right scoop, cut one, go. But we certainly should be on guard for human rights violations. And I think we should be supportive of more freedoms in that country. And, and that I didn't mean, work in 2009. Might it work this time? What would be different? Let, let's stop right there. So he's talking about the uprising in Iran. And she says it didn't work in 2009. Well, of course, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Obama waited 10 days and he didn't do anything effectively to support the uprising in Iran. And we now know <clears throat> that his plan all along... Uh, was not just to appease Iran. He's worse than Neville Chamberlain. It was to subsidize Iran. At least Neville Chamberlain didn't give Hitler billions of dollars. Go ahead. Well, I think that the 2009 time frame uh, uh, is very instructive. I think we chose to not be uh, uh, as uh, supportive as we could have been then. Uh, and I hope we can be right now so that Iran can continue to evolve. They have a an incredibly young population. Uh, they look to a future that they cannot see. Uh, they've been promised uh, change uh, and a healthier economy by the current government. And I think the protests represent the inability to deliver that so far. So I think support of them and their people is absolutely the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nikki Haley at the U.N. yesterday had tip C-SPAN. Cut three, go. 
The freedoms that are enshrined in the United Nations Charter are under, are under attack in Iran. Dozens have already been killed. Hundreds have been arrested. If the Iranian dictatorship's history is any guide, we can expect more outrageous abuses in the days to come. The UN must speak out. In the days ahead, we will be calling for an emergency session, both here in New York and at the Human Rights Council in Geneva. We must not be silent. The people of Iran are crying out for freedom. All freedom-loving people must stand with their cause. The international community made the mistake of failing to do that in 2009. We must not make that mistake again. Now, I want you to listen to this question. Very important. I want you to listen to this question by a reporter to Nikki Haley, comparing uh, the Iranian regime. Well, let's just play it. Cut four, go. Now, you're so strong when it comes to the freedom and dignity of the Iranian people, but you have different meaning of freedom and dignity when it comes to the Palestinian people who've been, who've been brutalized for over 50 years of occupation. Well, let's stop. Stop. Who have they been brutalized by? First the PLO and then Hamas and Fatah? Truthfully, they've been brutalized by the, by the Jordanian regime and other Arab regimes. Who's brutalizing the Palestinians? But look look how this reporter, quote-unquote, is trying to compare the Iranian regime to the Israeli government. Go ahead. Second question related to it, what make, made you believe that you are on the right side of history when you stood alone in the Security Council against 14 members of this, and in the GA 128 countries, you only found countries like Palau and Nauru next to you. What made see, you believe see, that? See, this is, this is it. So now, you see, what's going on in Iran, forget about that. It's Israel and the Jews. Go ahead. Right side of history. Thank well, you very much. I stood proudly, even if I was the only hand in the Security Council, to fight for the will of the people of the United States. They wanted to see the, the embassy moved to Jerusalem, and we followed through with that. We very much still want to have a peace process. Nothing changes with that. The Palestinians now have to show their will that they want to come to the table. As of now, they're not coming to the table, but they ask for aid. We're not giving the aid. We're going to make sure that they come to the table, and we want to move forward with the peace process. Mm-hmm. The peace process. Sure, sure. Abbas and Hamas, they want their peace process, don't you know? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we shall, what do they say? Move forward. I'll be right back. Daily adult dosage of the Constitution. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you may have figured this out. 2018 is here. It's time to look your best. That's right. Look younger than you ever have in years. Guaranteed. It's easy with a brand new Genesel treatment for droopy eyelids. Here's Mary from Fort Collins, Colorado. I don't believe everything I hear, she says. So I tried this eye lift on my right eye. The next day at work, everybody said my right eye looked much better. I couldn't believe it. Yes, all the saggy lines on your eyelids disappear. 
This breakthrough eyelid treatment is yours free. Free. With your order of Genesel for bags and puffiness. Now, you'll also get Genesel immediate effects for 12-hour results. Go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Or call 800-SKIN-604. That's the ticket. 800-SKIN-604. It gets better. Order the next 20 minutes to get two more classics. SOTIC RF, Collagen Builder, and Deep Firming Serum Free. And now during Chaminade's amazing New Year sale, you'll get the best-selling Le Essence Neck Treatment. Call now, upgrade to express shipping free. That's six free gifts. 800-SKIN-604. You know, folks, they told me supplies are running out now. So check it out. 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604. Or go to Genesel.com. I haven't taken any calls this year, have I, Mr. Producer? We had a guest. Now, Bob in Los Angeles, you're the first call of the year on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? Well, thank you very much, Mark, and I'm doing I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Good, good. Hey, I just wanted to mention uh, four years in the Marines, eighty, eighty-four, and then uh, became a cop here in L.A. Last hey, year. Hey, that's a twofer. Thank you. Hey, um, in nineteen eighty-two, Bolt Guard wedding in Northern Atlantic. We had one hundred sixty ships, um, thousands and thousands of troops, um, just to uh, saber rattle saber saber rattle against the East. Uh, President Trump was able to do that with just a Twitter, which costs nothing, which costs mm-hmm. nothing, I remind you. Why, so, why, do you think, people... why do you think the media and uh, even others on the pseudo-right are jumping all over him when they know the very history I discussed with Reagan and they knew exactly what he was doing? Uh, why, why do you think they, they – have you ever seen anything like this where they take the opportunity to start attacking him as deranged and – on and on and on. Have you ever seen anything like this? Uh, never, but it, it, it's, it comes from the street level too, Mark. We see it on the streets here in Los Angeles. I mean, we got we got uh, artist district here on the east side of L.A. There, there's murals that say resist, and there's people with red bandanas. I mean, it, it's crazy. It's uh, the guys. Um, imagine, uh, real... imagine, imagine if the taxpayers of this country resisted. No, we would we would fall. But see, that's what they want. That's what they, exactly what they're trying to do. But see, us conservatives uh, need to be aware of that. Hey, I also wanted to mention Mark Tapper mentioned something about uh, the president being paranoid about poison. Uh, Is that Jake Tapper? Brush. You mean? Hello. What's that? Do you mean yeah. Jake Tapper? Jake Tapper. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you know, inadvertently, he called. Oh, 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 oh. Slow, slow down. Slow down a second. Poison on his toothbrush. Maybe I had to go back on vacation, Mister. But what are you talking about? No, he was he was um, referring to the book. There was a quote from the author saying that uh, the president was afraid of being um, poisoned, so he likes McDonald's. You okay, look, 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 look. Let, let, let me ask you this question, and this is for the whole nation here. Guy writes a book like this. Here's my problem: the guy's trying to turn uh, Trump into an idiot trying to show that his staff can't stand him, on and on and on. The guy's a liberal. Why the hell would anybody sit down with this guy repeatedly to give him uh, fodder? Oh, it's obvious because they just want to make money, and they want to destroy our country. No, 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 no. You're, you're moving too fast for me. You're, but, 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 I'm asking you a question, Bob. The people who sit down with him and give him the fodder are not making money. They are giving him ammunition to attack the president of the United States. Why do you think they're doing that? Well, it's a, uh, obviously for this person, it was personal. 
It was personal. I mean, it's it was exactly right. Daddy. <clears throat> he got spited. Uh, he got fired. Uh, he didn't like it, and this was his 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 way of of getting back at somebody. But apparently, he was uh, still in the White House. Oh, I, I didn't. But know it that. can I still be personal, right? Yeah, it is personal. But uh, look up that soundbite from Jake Tapper and, and, and put it on your radio show because if I was the CEO of McDonald's, another producer. Say, All right, thanks for your call, Jake Tapper. Uh, I don't even want to chase it down. Who cares? I don't even care. What are we going to do? Hawk this book now? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm reading over the holiday that China is going to surpass us in 20 years militarily. They continue to steal our technology. They continue to threaten us and our allies. There they are with satellite photos um, giving uh, oil to the uh, North Korean regime, uh, boat to boat, ship to ship. The Russians are doing exactly the same thing. Uh, We've got significant protests in Iran that are very, very important. Uh, we have stories about how uh, the Obama administration appeased not just Iran, but Hezbollah in order to get their deal. And now this book, we're supposed to talk about this book day in and day out, right? Well, that's not going to happen here. Let's go to Bardia, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. How are you? I'm okay, Mark. How about you? Very well, thank you. Uh, we've been a, a part of opposition against this government since about years and years ago. And this started it back, as you said, in 2009. And the people were shouting in the street and asking Obama, are you with us or with the government? So, like you said, Obama didn't say anything about 10 days. And uh, I even heard that Khamenei was leaving the country with the plane. And then he got ordered to stay back, so he didn't help the people back. That's why uh, now, since the Trump become the president, and from the beginning in the United Nations, he back up the people, that's why the people rise up again. And whoever saying that uh, he making a mistake, that's totally wrong. And uh, the demonstration in there right now is a lot deeper, and the people shouting, and they want to change the government. Last time was only about the election. That's all it was. But now every corner of the country, the people rising up and uh, fighting back with the uh, government. And uh, right now, they uh, even they really asking for help. And uh, whatever Mr. Trump can do it, uh, that will be great for him. All right, uh, my the- friend. No, I appreciate your call. I think you're quite right. Tim, Glastonbury, Connecticut. Go right ahead, sir. Mark Levin, how are you, sir? I'm a little chilly, but other than that, I'm fine. Thank you. It, yeah, it's very chilly here, too. I just wanted to let you know that Santa was very good to me this year. Uh, my wife and my kids got me all your books. Wow. <laughs> and I just finished. Uh, the first two that I read was uh, Liberty and Tyranny and Plunder and Deceit. And, my God, I loved them. Absolutely love the books, and I'm right now. I'm in the. Uh, uh, I'm. I'm just starting rediscovering Americanism, and let me just say, you are the most articulate writer, commentator, 
and you're extremely conservative, and I love you. And I, I've, been, I've been a listener for only a year, but um, you, you think like I do. I just can't articulate the way you do. And I'm totally, for us to win uh, this battle and win our country again, uh, the roadmap that you've, you've put in, in, in your book I'm, I'm trying to do that. And, and my, my New Year's uh, resolution on Facebook was that I was going to, uh, I was going to post conservative, uh, views from you and from Breitbart on a daily basis to try to win, uh, one leftist at a time. Win one leftist over. Well, Tim, I want to thank you very, very much. I appreciate that. And uh, you're in Connecticut, so you better uh, do everything you can to stay warm up there, sir. And you got the books. Just don't burn them. You know, just read them. And I much appreciate it. God bless you, sir. You know, at New Year's, we were at a uh, friend's house. Man, the food was unbelievable. Our buddies, Teddy and Linda. And uh, their daughter-in-law, who's obviously married to their son. Her name is Hallie. His name is Ben. Benjamin. Benji. And we're sitting there eating. I didn't know this about her. And uh, very nice. Very conservative. And she told me the story how she became conservative. I said, well, how did you become conservative? And she's solid as a rock. She said, well, I was a liberal. There's a true story. Just telling you. I said, you were? She said, yes. And um, Benji, her now husband, was trying to persuade her to conservatism. And I think she told me, you know, they could never really get married until she was a little bit more, you know, into liberty and that sort of thing. And she said she was at a bar reading Liberty and Tyranny. And she said, you with me on this, Mr. Producer? The rest of the country may have gone away already. <clears throat> but she said, I was reading that book, and then when I finished that book, I became a conservative. Liberty and tyranny can do that to people. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Liberty Amendments, it's because I knew regardless of who's running D.C., the only way to fix the country and restore its founding principles was to call a convention of states. I had no idea that my friend Mark Meckler was actually launching a project to do just that. So today I'm honored to have served on their legal advisory board since the very beginning. Just four years later, over three million people are involved. Twelve states have already passed the Convention of States Resolution, and we are on our way to calling the first Article 5 Convention of States in American history. The people are going to propose and ratify amendments to restrain the scope and power of the federal government. So what's your New Year's resolution? How about resolving to do something that will really matter? If you care about the future of our nation like I do, then go to conventionofstates.com, sign the petition, and volunteer today. I'm all in. But the future of the nation depends on each of you, and I'm depending on each of you. It's the only solution as big as the nation's problems. 
That's conventionofstates.com, conventionofstates.com. All right, Jeff, Long Island, the great WABC, a police officer. How are you, sir? I'm um, great, Mark. It's great to hear you. I'm a first-time caller, and I was actually, I wanted to make the trip out to Jersey to see you this summer, and uh, I couldn't make it. My son was racing his car out in Long Island. He races uh, late model race cars, so I had to go That's to that. That's cool. But the next time... The next time you come, I am there. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, thank you. I just wanted to, uh, yeah, I used to work at the Port Authority bus terminal in that recent terrorist attack. Oh, yeah. Um, I, uh, I I worked with one of those guys. I've been on the job like 17 years, and one of the guys that actually took him down, there was four of them. I worked with one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so. What, let me ask you this. I, why, why, yeah. why do you think the Democrat Party is so committed to open borders, to giving five and a half million people brought here or who came here illegally uh, legal status, and they're prepared to shut down the federal government over this. They're prepared to uh, also, uh, when it comes to the military, they're insisting that any dollar increase in military spending, uh, there must be a a dollar increase in domestic spending. What, what do you think motivates this party? Vote. Mm-hmm. That's simple, isn't it? Payoffs, subsidies, and uh, the importation of Democrats. It's crazy. It is crazy. It really is. All right, man. Look forward to meeting you next time. God bless you. Jerry, Passaic, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Well, because this is nine years too late. You started in the middle of a sentence, sir. Let's go ahead and start at the beginning. Well, the other guy, our former... Uh, joke as a president, the last one, it should have been done nine years ago, but at least it's being done now, and at least 70% of the population is under 50, so I think it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. This is, this would be Iran. Yeah, that yeah, would be and, Iran. And you know, you know, Obama literally saved Iran. He saved this regime. Oh, absolutely. He took all the, he took, he took everything. He took all the, um, what do you call it, everything that was frozen away. All the sanctions. The sanctions, $150 billion at least. Now they say it was $4.5 billion that he sent, not a, a billion and a half with the release of the sailors. More and more dirt keeps coming out, it seems. And they, and they make this, uh, this unofficial deal with Hezbollah. I mean, does it get more loathsome than this? I mean, who's demented, Trump or Obama? Who's deranged, Trump or Obama? I would have to say Obama. There's a stronger words than the range, but we can't use it. All right, sir. Thank you for your call. Amy, Colorado Springs, Colorado, the great KVOR. Go. Hi, Mark. Happy New Year to you. Um, too. Uh, my, my thoughts on the Iran thing as a woman, uh, where are all the feminists that were here marching in the streets? Why are they not backing the people of Iran? Those women are actually fighting for their rights. And that's real feminism. I'll tell you why. Because they're not feminists. They're leftists. They're all for big government. Uh, so, you know, just because these people self-identify and, and assign a, their own nomenclature uh, to themselves and to their movement doesn't mean we have to accept it. What's a feminist? Somebody who believes abortion on demand? How is that feminism? Somebody who believes that uh, birth control should be paid for women? How is that feminism? Uh, I don't consider that feminism or feminine or anything of the sort. 
I don't either. And even here, I would not have been comfortable. There was a march in, our, in my city here, and I wouldn't have felt comfortable there because I'm a conservative woman, and they do not accept my point of view, even as a woman. There's so, marches everywhere. They're monotonous. Mm-hmm. And I, I completely back the people of Iran and the people who are fighting for their rights, and my heart goes out to them and my prayers are with them. All right. Thank you very much. I also like the fact, not only has Trump, you know, repeatedly voiced his support for the people of Iran against the regime of Iran, just look what he's done all over the globe. Not only is he confronting the the inbred in North Korea, not only did he address the, the Iran deal, not only did he recognize the capital of Israel as Jerusalem, now he's saying, you know what, Pakistan? We're tired of you being two-faced. We're tired of you promoting terrorism, hiding bin Laden, hiding other terrorists. Then you do just enough where we can say you're our ally and we give you hundreds of millions a year. He said that's going to stop. Just like he cut almost $300 million from the U.N. Now, some of that was baked in, as they say, but he wants to cut more. You would never see this under any of these other Republicans. You would never see it under any Democrat, that's for sure. We ought to give the man credit where credit is due. Then you read people, or you at least see them in passing, uh, uh, who, who just so despise him, even so-called conservatives. They won't even recognize the things that he's doing. And then you have staffers and former staffers who are talking to a liberal reporter, trashing him and his family. Well, I don't find that uh, to be terribly acceptable at all. All right, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? This is fun. I should do this more often, Mr. Producer. I mean, radio. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our first show of the year. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, it's important from time to time to go back to events, to go back to places, to see what's happened to them. Particularly when you consider what took place during the Obama administration. So much destruction, so much upheaval, so much death, quite frankly, as a result of the Obama-Biden policies. You know, Biden's being treated some like some great elder statesman. Biden is an idiot. He's not a great elder statesman. He's an idiot of long standing. He's a vicious man who sought to destroy the lives of men like Bob Bork and Clarence Thomas, among others. But this is how our media work. This is how our culture works. Men of worse than no substance. Men of his kind, held up high as examples. And they shouldn't be held up high as examples. Now, 
When I say we should look back, we should look back at cities like Baltimore and what's happened to Baltimore. Since the leftist kook mayor and the leftist kook prosecutor in Baltimore did the damage that they did in coordination with the Justice Department under Obama, as well as the Obama staff. Remember? And we were told that uh, these cops had um, committed acts of brutality against Freddie Gray. Every single police officer was found not guilty. In fact, some had their cases dropped. Every single one of them. It was a phony issue from day one. And it costs people to this day in the city of Baltimore their lives, their properties. And it's affected the police force. Fewer and fewer cops. I mean, who the hell wants to work there as a police officer, given what's taken place? And the police, of course, they understand If they jump into these communities and they take the lead, regardless of race or anything else, that they really are putting their necks on the line, physically and in terms of their careers. The left, under Obama, under Loretta Lynch, under Valerie Jarrett, under those phonies, the mayor and the prosecutor there, did enormous damage to this beautiful city, Baltimore. It's a wonderful city, but it's now a very dangerous city because of the the attack on law and order led by Obama. So when I was away, I heard this interview of Baltimore pastor Reverend Kinji Scott on NPR. No, I wasn't listening to NPR. Uh, I heard it on the internet. Take a listen to this this brief clip from that interview. Go ahead. After the death of Freddie Gray, yourself, families of victims, didn't you want police to back off? No. That represented our progressive, our activists, our liberal journalists, our politicians, but it did not represent the overall community because we know for a fact that Around the time that Freddie Gray was killed, we start to see homicides increase. We had five homicides in that neighborhood while we were protesting. What I wanted to see happen was that people would build a trust relationship with our police department so that they would feel more comfortable with having conversations with the police about crime in their neighborhood because they would feel safer. So we wanted the police there. We wanted them engaging the community. We didn't want them there beating the hell out of us. We didn't want that. We need the frontline police officers, and we need the heart of the black community to step to the forefront of this discussion. That's what's important. And that's when we're going to see a decrease in crime. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, this hasn't gotten a hell of a lot of attention, has it? Maybe on talk radio, I haven't been listening. Maybe, uh, obviously, on NPR. But has this gotten a lot of attention? Has it been on CNN or MSLSD or NBC or ABC or CBS? No, it's gotten almost no attention at all. No. It's very sad what's taking place in Baltimore. It's very sad what's taking place in Chicago. It's very sad what's taking place in so many of our major metropolitan areas. 
And yet when we had our first African-American president, who is a leftist ideologue, I would contend that more damage has been done to the inner cities of this country during his eight years than in the recent past. And more efforts are being made now to reverse some of the things that he did in the metropolitan areas of this country in order to improve the situation. Mitt Romney, ladies and gentlemen, Republicans, hello, hello, hello. Mitt Romney now wants to be a senator. Orrin Hatch, after 412 years, has decided he will step down. Now, there were two Orrin Hatches. There was Orrin Hatch, who was elected in 1977. And he was a firebrand, and he was a solid conservative, right up through the Reagan years. And then he flopped. He flipped and he flopped. And he became a big buddy of Ted Kennedy's. Then he was authoring health care legislation. Then he was uh, defending business as usual in the Senate. I mean, he changed almost completely. And that's what happens when you're there decade after decade after decade. He started, I remember when he started. I think he was 41, 42 years old. He'd never run for public office before. He ran, he won the United States Senate seat in Utah. Tough primary. He ran, by the way, in part on term limits. When he came on my show last time around, and I supported him, he was being conservative back then and then immediately switched after the election, and I apologized to everybody for it. Hey, look, you got to say what's right. Um, and that was his trick. That's why we started the, uh, the Liberty Score over Conservative Review, which scores a, a period of six years, not just a period of one year or two years. So it's a much tougher and more rigorous and more accurate scoring system than any of the others. And Hatch does poorly now because he's a deal maker. He doesn't drive principles. You can make deals and drive principles, but if you're just driving deals, that's not good enough. So Mitt Romney wants to be a senator. Guy's 70 years old. He wants to be a senator. Why does he want to be a senator? He was governor of Massachusetts. Daniel Horowitz makes a number of good points in his piece over a conservative view. I'm not a big Mitch, uh, Mitt Romney fan. I'm not a big Mitt Romney fan. I don't believe he stands for a damn thing. I really don't. Uh, he and McCain brought us Obama. They ran terrible, terrible campaigns. And the people weren't interested in them. It's true. And Horowitz, Daniel Horowitz points out at CR, Romney is the grandfather of Obamacare. He sat idly while the state redefined marriage before it was cool and then proceeded to champion marriage when seeking the presidency. On immigration, when running for president, he was, quote, severely conservative, unquote, talked about self-deporting. But his record before running for president and ever since running for president is in line with the failed establishment way of thinking. In fact... Obama issued the DACA amnesty during the general election in 2012 when Romney had the biggest platform to speak against this theft of our national sovereignty. Instead, he said he would keep amnesty in place, thereby trailblazing the GOP response of legitimizing one of the most illicit acts of a president in modern history. 
In 2014, Romney opposed the conservative effort to fight Obama's DAPA amnesty. Even as it relates to bedrock Republican issues of Iran and Israel, we can see the difference between, say, President Trump and Romney. All Republicans say they believe Iran is an enemy, are pro-Israel, believe Jerusalem is Israel's capital, and are concerned about Palestinian terrorism. But much like their belief in life, if you will, whenever the opportunity presents itself to alter the paradigm, they dogmatically cling to the status quo and downright savage, though, those who are trying to force change like Mitt Romney, Savage, Ted Cruz. With Hezbollah's funding from Iran increasing from $200 million to $830 million after the transfer of frozen uh, funds following the deal, we now know that Romney was proven wrong. But he won't admit it. He won't admit it. Now, speaking of Trump's boldness on Israel and the PLO, let's travel back in time to 2012, the 2012 presidential primary with Newt Gingrich. On December 9, 2011, Gingrich boldly proclaimed that there's no such thing as distinct Arab-Palestinian people. And he was right, that they are an invented people and that they have no claim to any land. In came Romney to criticize him the next day at a debate in Iowa. I will exercise sobriety, care, stability, and make sure that I don't say anything like this, said the virtue-signaling human etch-a-sketch from Massachusetts, who is now considering a run for the Senate in Utah. Even on the issues on which they claim to agree with us, Romney Republicans, Romney Republicans, virently opposed doing anything meaningful to change the paradigm because of stability. We wouldn't want to destabilize Iraq and and Afghanistan by changing plans. We wouldn't want to destabilize the PLO by cutting off funds. We wouldn't want to destabilize the insurance markets with the $2,000 monthly premiums. Excuse me. We wouldn't want to destabilize women's health by defunding Planned Parenthood. Yes, we love Israel, but let's not rock the boat by moving the embassy. Let's just talk about it aspirationally. Yes, we need immigration reform, but immigration reform really means the same old amnesty. And don't talk to me about reforming chain migration and the refugee flow. This is essentially what the Republicans say and do. And we are sick of this game. All voters are sick of the game. They want somebody who's going to challenge the status quo. Reagan said freedom is the right to question and change the established way of doing things. It is the right to put forth an idea scoffed at by the experts and watch it catch fire among the people. That's right. Romney is the quintessential failed Republican politician in the sense that he either trailblazes the left-wing policies of the political establishment or blocks the path of those who try to stop the policies of the left, which he has already pursued. So why is a... He's 70 year old after failing to win the presidency on two occasions. Why does he want to sit in the Senate? What will he accomplish? In all likelihood, he will be the new John McCain, the man who cannot find any reservoir of outrage against the sickening policies of the left, but who will virtue signal against the right at the drop of a hat and will be the go to Republican for the media. Romney would be worse than nothing. A senator is not just a vote, but a voice. It's true. 
Let's not forget that at a time when the left is becoming dangerously unhinged, Romney actually praised Antifa. And yet people, oh, Romney's going to run. Oh, Romney, the great Romney. He is actually a politician without a purpose. Is he not, Mr. Producer? What is the point? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's take some calls here. Let us go to Matthew, Newark, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark. I I, I hear everything you say. I love you as a host, man. You're great. Um, I, I'm curious just about, you know, when we talk about Donald Trump as, you know, handling external conflicts, uh, people coming over the border, America first, the thing I really want to know from you is, if it's America first, I mean, I'm in Newark, New Jersey. It's not too different from Chicago. And it, I don't know. I, I just, I, I can't see the, we have to do something about Chicago and then talk about a border wall. We have problems in here already. Well, let's uh, talk about this. First of all, these cities have not been federalized, have they? Right. That is, the primary responsibility for local law enforcement is local law enforcement. If you have mayors and city councils that are weak, that will not back up their cops, who don't hire enough cops, who don't pay their cops, you're going to have more crime. If you have uh, localities that have liberal judges, like most of our inner cities do, mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to be locking up um, criminals, at least not for a period of time. The national movement that I'm, hold on, I'm educating you. The national movement that I'm concerned about now is this so-called criminal reform movement, uh, where we have a lot of, uh, mostly white people from, uh, various parts of the country, uh, serving in Congress or advising people in Congress to let prisoners out of federal prison, uh, because of crimes they've committed that they don't think are, are terrible offenses, even though many of these people have pled down from more, uh, more, uh, you know, uh, felonious-type activity. Uh, moreover, Jeff Sessions is going after crime in cities in this sense. He has done more in his few months in office, really less than a year, than Obama ever did in trying to deal with MS-13, as an example. Uh, and they've also tried to deport criminals uh out of this country who have records of, have a record of criminal behavior. See, the primary responsibility is with local government. What the federal government did under Obama is interfere, is tie their hands, is to take some of their tools away, uh, is to browbeat them, is to make it much more difficult to do their job. And so while there's only so much the federal government can do to support local law enforcement, there's a lot the federal government can do to undermine law enforcement. Go ahead. But, Mark, I, I, I would just like You didn't hear a thing I said, I've, did you? I, I heard every single thing you said. All right, go right ahead. Federal, federal, federal overreach, or the lack of federal overreach, even though that's not their job, it's a local job. I've lived in Philadelphia. I've, I, I spent I'm from Philadelphia. <laughs> Agreed. Listen, 
What are you trying to say? Stop mumbling. What are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is that it is not MS-13 on Long Island. Yes, it is. In New York City, yes, it is. Well, there's a whole there's a whole variety of factors, but the federal government is supposed to control the border and immigration. The federal government does not control the uh, New York City Police Department. Thank God. My point. The idiot mayor does. The idiot, the Decamio. People that were born and raised here. There's issues that are existing all. I know you're you're emoting, but you're not listening. I'm telling you. You want law and order in your communities? Then you vote for people who are going to support law and order, who are going to stop trashing the cops, who are going to stop supporting liberal judges. We can do so much at the federal level, but it is not the federal government's responsibility to nationalize local law enforcement. I'll be right back. Making conservatism great again. Dial in now. 877-381-3811. My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. You know, folks, I think one day, just, just me, I think one day, maybe... If Trump doesn't win re-election, maybe five years from now, maybe ten years from now, whoever, whatever. We're going to look back on this period. I've told my family this. And wish this guy was still around. We're going to appreciate, many of us, not all of us, I will, the way he, he confronted the media in this country. We're going to appreciate the way he tried to speak directly to the American people. He knows he can't give the greatest of great speeches. But he has paved the way on social media. Twitter drives the media in this country nuts. Again, you don't have to agree with everything. Who cares? You see guys like Scarborough and their uh, conga line of buffoons they bring in to say the same thing. They can't keep up with this president. They can't figure him out. They don't like the fact that he uses social media. There are very few media outlets that celebrate the president's use of social media. They attack him and attack it over and over and over again because they want to be the funnel through which his message is communicated. Well, if that happened, it would be a disaster for him. When you listen to the likes of Don Lemon, Brian Stelter, the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo. And the list is so long, I can't even remember it. When you listen to these phony journalists who preen on and on about their profession that they have destroyed, you can thank Trump for exposing them. We always knew they were leftists for the most part. But he's brought them to the brink of absolute derangement. But I truly believe we're going to look back one day, we're going to look at much of his record in confronting North Korea like no prior president would and since the Korean War, in confronting Iran, where it has his predecessor not only appeased Iran, but subsidized their terrorism, quite frankly, and, ter- and subsidized their nuclear program. 
we're going to look back and talk about the guts he had in taking on the federal judiciary and trying to secure our border. We're going to look back on his strong support for the military, where he's having to fight Congress, including Republicans in Congress, to get them the funds that they need to protect us. His support for local law enforcement. We're going to look back and tell our grandkids and our great-grandkids what it was like during this presidency. Now, I know a lot of the... uh, Self-aggrandizing so-called elites, self-aggrandizing so-called intellectuals, they hear what I say and they scratch their heads. But they would, because they don't get any of this. Particularly on the conservative side. Trump is not a populist. He may have somewhat of a populist message. Trump has demonstrated that for the most part, not completely... He's been quite conservative. And when he does conservative things, he racks, and he racks up those victories as a conservative, he's praised. This is one of the reasons the nationalist populists are so furious. And some people try to mislead you by defining conservative victories as establishment victories. And mostly the establishment does that. The establishment does that. So when they come out with their massive infrastructure bill, I will oppose. We have over $200 trillion in debt. I don't know where they think this money is going to come from. When they come up with their family lead program, I will fight it. Okay, so what? So what? We fight the things we support to try and get them passed, and we fight the things we oppose to try and kill them. That's the nature of the beast. But for the most part, I'm quite satisfied. I just am. And I say this as somebody, you've read my books, many of you, who did not expect this from this president. Now, having said that, I don't think there are answers in Washington, D.C. overall. That's why I support Convention of States. I think we have we are we are distancing ourselves from our constitutional roots every single day. Well, Mark, I thought you just said you like Trump. The president can only do so much. He's not a dictator, and we don't want him to be a dictator. What's happened in this country has happened over the course of a century. And either the people want their liberty and the constitution back or they don't. And a lot of us don't. A lot of us do, but a lot of them don't. If you've been thinking about your home security, there's no better time to get in than right now. You've heard me sing the praises of Simply Safe Home Security. It's the best protection, period. Simply Safe has put together a massive security arsenal for your home, a special package handpicked just for you. It's got entry sensors, motion sensors, glass break sensors. Everything you need to stop criminals from ever touching your home. And right now, my friends at Simply Safe are giving you, my listeners, an absolutely incredible offer. Get $200 off their special hand-picked security package. It's complete protection for your home. 
Simply Safe is already the best value in home security, and these are the guys that I trust. There are no contracts, no commitments, no wiring. But right now, and I mean right now, you can get $200 off this special security package. Just go to simplysafemark.com right now. This is possibly the best home security deal you'll ever see. That's simplysafemark.com, and you'll save $200 on my special Simply Safe Home Security pick. That's simplysafemark.com. Brian, Baltimore, Maryland, the great WCBM. Go! Hey, Mark. Happy New Year. It's great having you back. Love your guest host, but it's good to hear you again. Thank you. Um, I've mentioned before, I have a really good friend who is a sergeant in the Baltimore City Police Department, and he and I just spent the entire day together Friday catching up. been a while, and it was the holidays. And that that interview with that reverend, I don't know if it had been broadcast yet, but they had a heads up that it was coming. And I can I will say that, that for being a reverend, he should have a familiarity with the Ten Commandments and that you're not supposed to lie. But the man is a blatant liar, and that's right. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. What did he say? The one that said we did not want the police in our we wanted the police in our neighborhoods. We told we did not tell them we didn't want them in there, and we just didn't want them beating the hell out of us. Well, that's not what they said. And the the all the archives can be found, all the interviews and all from the time of the riots and post riots. They blatantly said we don't want the police. We don't want any government. Well, he to- says they did say that, and he says the progressives said it, the activists said it. He was quite specific. He didn't say it wasn't said. He said, that's what those people said. Right. It was said by more than just the activists and the progressives. Well, I don't know. I don't have any way of knowing, but you live it, so you know better than I. You're from Baltimore. Right. And my friend and I did speak of it, and that is what they said. And it is evident. The crime went through the roof. They had the most murders per capita in the history of the city. Well, I know this, but he said, just to repeat... That that view was represented by, because he, he was confronted with the NPR reporter, said that represented our progressive activists, liberal journalists, liberal politicians. That didn't represent a lot, that it didn't represent all the people in the city of Baltimore. Well, and I, I expect he's correct. No, he, he, it was said, you know, he was correct with regards to saying, yes, it's definitely the progressives, the liberals, but it was, that view was held by far more than just them. And it's pretty, it's kind of sad that nobody has stood up and taken him to task. Like you said, that wasn't on CNN. It wasn't on MSNBC. It got a little bit of play locally on the news and then the NPR, but nobody challenged that and the validity of it. But I suspect this guy's being attacked by the left, isn't he? Oh, yeah. And it's sad that the guys that put on the uniform and actually go and try to serve are basically treated like criminals and their lives are in danger every day. And it's sad because they, the majority of them, they're all great guys and they're doing their best. Right. The no, you're right. The community just doesn't, nine times out of ten, appreciate it or want it until things go sideways. All right, Brian, appreciate your call. Todd Burlington, Vermont, on the great WVMT, our affiliate there. How are you? Hey, Mark, I'm doing great. Happy New Year. It's a true honor to talk to you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so let me ask you before you ask me, how do you stay warm in Vermont right now? Oh, my God, it's been terrible. It's, uh, Is it, isn't it awful? It's a mini heat wave right now, though. We've been in the teens today, so uh, above zero teens. So it's been. I don't know how people bomb, can stand this. Bombing. I hate it. All right, go right ahead. Right. Terrible. Uh, well, as, uh, as you know, I'm one of the very few uh, deplorables uh, surrounded in, in my state of Vermont here. And I'm just curious, uh, 
what your thoughts are on talking to liberals. My thoughts are move. Move. I know. I Believe me. You think I'm kidding? I, I, I know it. And A state the, that elects Bernie Sanders, what can I say? Here's the, here's the liberal I'm telling you about, though. She's my 15-year-old daughter oh. who is uh, super smart and giant. All right, here's what I'm going to do, Todd, because we're not going to have enough time to do this here, but I'm going to send you two books. Hopefully we have them, Mr. Producer. I'm going to send you Plunder and Deceit. Do we have it, Rich? Do we have a Liberty and Tyranny still? I'm going to send you Liberty and Tyranny and Plunder and Deceit. Those are the two perfect books for your 15-year-old. Will she do some reading? She sure will. She's right. uh, super smart. It's just hard for me uh, as as dad to compete with uh, her, her academics that are surrounding her with Bernie posters. And All right. Well, tell her tell her to read this. And after she reads one or both books, I want you to call me back. Tell me if it had any okay. effect. Okay. Don't hang up, Todd. Don't hang up. This is why I write these books. I only have so much time on radio, you know, one-on-one to discuss this because there's millions of people listening. They, even if I discuss it for five or ten minutes, that's not nearly enough. Plus, I need to speak to the 15-year-old. And so I write these books. That's one of the reasons I do it. The, the, the first book in terms of uh, basic knowledge about conservatism and anti-conservatism would be Liberty and Tyranny. And then the next book, when it comes to youth, that I feel uh, would be the most persuasive is Plunder and Deceit. Because it's their generation that's being plundered and deceived. So those two books should make a huge impact if you have a a child or grandchild who seems to be moving left or is on the left. If they're willing to actually read them, I think it can make a difference. I have to take a break, don't I? I'll be right back. Lovin. By the way, now you know why they don't talk about global warming anymore. They call it climate change. And they won't even talk about climate change right now. It's freezing out there. All of us know this. We go out there, our appendages freeze. Well, those of you in certain parts of the country, you may not know, but you see it on TV. And isn't it amazing? It's this time of year where they never want to discuss climate change. Certainly not global warming. Because the whole thing is a joke. It's a fraud. For more centralized government, a bigger attack on on capitalism. Why aren't they talking about global warming or climate change right now with every weather report? They're talking about some kind of a snow hurricane. What the hell's a snow hurricane? I never heard of it. Never heard of it. Snow hurricane's coming. Duck, look out, everybody. Snow hurricane. Wow, that's global warming. No, you don't understand. It's global climate change. It can go either way. It goes every way. Just give us more money. Oh, you know, I was in Florida a couple of days visiting my parents. That's all. How much time do I have, Rich? Just whisper in my ear. Okay, I got a minute for this. And uh, I was down to check on my parents for a few days, and I and I'm flying back late Sunday. 
and it's freezing in Virginia. And the plane's half empty. Or as my wife would say, you mean half full. you got to look at the glass half full, not half empty. All right, all right, the plane's half full. Luckily, nobody's sitting next to me, if you know what I mean. Because I'm one of the schmucks who's flying into the, uh, into the cold weather from Florida. It's like, what, are you out of your mind? Yes, I am. It's nuts. You know, if you're starting off this new year with some resolutions, may I suggest one that we should all try? Stop watching fake news. Last year we saw how far the liberal media will go, even at the expense of their credibility. If you missed the last couple Levin TV episodes of the year, we recapped the Obama espionage scandal. And by the way, we're starting up a brand new year of programming tomorrow night. And that espionage scandal started with total mockery of yours truly by the media, ended with complete vindication. These are the kinds of stories you're only going to get on CRTV. We are bringing you the truth night in and night out. 2018 shaping up to be a huge year for CRTV. We're adding new shows from hosts like Andrew Wilkow, Ali Stuckey, and more. Plus, the price is less than 8 bucks a month when you use promo code LEVIN. That's L-E-V-I-N. It's time to fight back against liberal media. Do yourself a favor, seriously. Try CRTV for a week completely free. You go to CRTV.com, make sure you use code LEVIN, that's code L-E-V-I-N, to take $10 off your annual subscription. That's 10%. Sign up now at CRTV.com or give us a call. Our folks are there. The government shut down, but we never shut down. 844-LEVIN-TV, that's 844-LEVIN-TV. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the next time the Democrats threaten to shut down the government, I think we should say, Oh, wow, it's Saturday. Saturday, Sunday, it's a holiday. Shutting down the government. Because by my clock, it's almost 9 p.m. Eastern time, and the government is shut down. And guess what? I don't give a damn. Jim, Imperial Nebraska, Sirius Satellite, quickly go. Mark, it's great to talk to you. Congratulations on your new Fox show for Sunday night. Um, Thank you. I just wanted to point out, on top of what you had brought up about Mitt Romney, I think two things that killed him in the uh, presidential election was uh, Romney Care for number one, and he never came out against Obamacare exactly, other than to say, well, it's okay for the states, but I don't think it should be for the national. You're real wishy-washy, like You're a right. piece of milk toast. Yep. And uh, one of the things that really needed to be hammered on about that whole thing in, in Massachusetts that was subsidized 50% by the federal government, and they mm-hmm. were still $4 billion over budget. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one Rom- thing. Romney stands for nothing. Let's just be honest. Romney stands for nothing, which is why the Republicans like him. Thanks for your call, my friend. You know, it's great to be back. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And all of you, my beloved audience, thank you for listening tonight. See you tomorrow. It's a brand new year. We plow ahead. Victory, liberty, country. See you tomorrow. <laughs>